0: We need to think of ourselves regionally, not just as these little municipalities. And I think that there's a way to get there, and I think that we just have to bring more people to the table to really think through it rather than just a few people. Mm-hmm. That was Maxine Clark, founder of Build-A-Bear
1: Workshop. Hi, I'm Nancy Scanlon-Coppler, and welcome to Woman Overboard. Have you ever been told that you go overboard? Or maybe you have a friend, a partner, or a crazy aunt who overdoes it at the holidays. Someone who is overly ambitious, overly excited, and gets overwhelmed because she tends to overdo everything. Well, welcome to my world. I'm Nancy Scanlon-Koppler, and this is Woman Overboard, a show about women, leaders, mothers, and entrepreneurs who are dedicated to making a difference. My guests would not be where they are today without being the overachievers that they are. Women who I believe put a positive spin on the words, woman overboard. One of my favorite lines in your book is that not dreaming big enough is one of the mistakes entrepreneurs make.
0: Yes, especially I think um, women and minority entrepreneurs who don't have access to to enough money to, to take their idea as big as possible uh, and I say to everybody, dream the Bentley idea and figure out how to do it on a Ford budget, but <laughs> commit it to paper. You know, commit that dream to everything that you can possibly imagine. Forget whether you can afford it yet or not. And then whittle it down to something stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. Because if you don't have the big dream, you can't even see yourself in it. You know, or it's it's limited. And there's no reason that it has to and maybe your dream is just to open up one store in St. Louis. That's fine too, if that's as big as your dream is. But make sure you dream that dream. Because mm-hmm. instead of saying, gee, I just I like I like um sunglasses, but I don't really think I could ever have a store of sunglasses. Well maybe you could.
1: And I, I realized I haven't mentioned the name of your book, the entire name. The bare necessities, B E A R Necessities of Business, Building a Company with Heart by Maxine Clark and it's a fabulous fabulous book for any entrepreneur and it is stuffed with lots of wisdom I must say and and wonderful Wonderful outlines. I think you you have a seven-point outline of of how to outline your business. Mm -hmm. If any young
0: entrepreneur is looking, how would they be able to find your book? You can buy it on Amazon. On Amazon, okay, great. And maybe it's maybe still available in bookstores. But I wrote it because so many people were calling me on the phone and wanted to know how to do it, how to start your own Mm -hmm. business, how to how to. They had so many ideas, and I couldn't help all of them. I didn't have the time, so I thought I should write it in a book. And I pick up this book sometimes, and I read through it, and I said it still makes sense, even though whether you're starting a dot com business or. you're starting a a, a bricks and mortar business, you're starting a a service business, all these, you know, you've got to have a passion for it. And you want to see, um, you want to give the customer the best service they possibly can get. That's how you're going to do the most business. I love the part where you say emulate
1: the five pillars of success. Uh, Price, convenience, product, customer
0: service, and overall experience. And do you feel that those five points still hold? Oh, absolutely. Uh, The experience part, people sometimes don't really understand because they think that means you have to be you know, making something, doing something. But actually the experience that you have as a consumer starts when you drive in the parking lot. And if that parking lot has holes and guts and you know or it's not well lit or it's dirty you already start to have an impression of that mall and you might say well I've got to go there and get what I've got to get and you get up in the elevator and the elevator is broken and by the time you get to the store you're like exhausted and that store could give you great service but it's not going to make up be able to make up for the the bad things that happened along the way I'm not sure which came first Mm -hmm. when when it got to be so difficult to go to a mall because the the things that you used to like about it were no longer there. Like some malls even had valet parking right? or a concierge that would wrap your gifts for you or or store your packages while you shop. They started whittling away Mm -hmm. at those for expense savings. So why should you go? I mean, you could buy it online and you can bring it back to the store if you need to Mm -hmm. bring it back or just put it in the UPS package and Mm -hmm. send it Mm -hmm. back. The fun of it was gone before the online people started taking all the business. But there's some things that you can't do online. And and that is that human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Build-A-Bear obviously is for children and children can't buy their own products online. We know that we've asked kids over time, you know, if you could, how often would you come to Build-A-Bear if you could? Every day. So they can't come every day. But that spontaneous purchase that the mom had because she was coming to the mall for something else, she doesn't come as often. It makes it more difficult. Right. Well,
1: I can tell you from experience being a grandmother, I have taken most of my grandchildren there, not the tiny, tiny ones, and it is such an all-encompassing experience. They love the thing of putting the heart in the machine and the way your employees are your – you don't call them employees. Bear, you, bear builders. Bear builders tell them to – they
0: do something with the heart. Yeah, they it? make a wish on the heart. They, they make a wish pre- on the heart. They kiss hu- it. They put it on the oh, right arm. Or the, they all I mean, do it different. I they have they tears in to, my eyes just thinking about know, it. it is it's that so, moment. It's a magic moment. And honestly, I didn't invent that magic moment. A really good friend of mine, um, Sarah Russell, who was a a teacher at Washington University, she had the idea for the hearts. I didn't have any idea that people would wanna put one in, like if there was a party of kids, Mm They would put one of each, and so one bear might have 10 hearts in it. Or, <laughs> so we found out we were running out of hearts before we were running out of bears. <laughs> we had to go out and make them, and we would sit around. We went to every craft store cool in thing St. So. and then finally we ordered a whole bunch more. But that was um, inspired by one of our part-time workers, uh, Jeff Marks, who was a teacher, and he turned that, that just simple putting a heart into the bear into a magic ceremony.
1: Oh, it that is. I could
0: not, if ever anticipated, and so Sarah had the idea for the heart. Jeff had the idea for the ceremony, and the rest, as they say, is history.
1: It's so beautiful, and when the children take that bear, once the heart is in it, it is really a part of them. Yes, it. Beca- and then, of course, you have the naming, and all my grandchildren have their certificates
0: with their bears, and I thank yeah. you so much. Parents had parents had many of the ideas, like we have people that that. Um, uh, children that use a pacifier and when it's time to give up the pacifier they come and they put the pacifier inside the bear
1: Aww. and the bear
0: ha- always has Brilliant pounds. we would have never thought of that and um, you know, it's just amazing And then we have a, a record drone sound and when when people would be find out that they were pregnant and having a baby They would go and have the heartbeat <sighs> Um, oh my goodness! And the sound, and then they would give it to the grandparents, and they would hear the heart—you know—the heartbeat. Oh, beautiful.
1: So there's a million
0: ways that people have, have have used Build-A-Bear and made it a part of their life, even in in sad times. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we we um, always recognize that those are just as important, and we try mm-hmm. to help people through their grief. And mm-hmm. if our teddy bears can help, uh, and yeah. they can, we're you know glad to be there for them.
1: Right. What's better than your teddy bear? Right. And and you mentioned how important your teddy bear was to you as a child, and I'll tell you, my one son. Lost his teddy bear when he was three, and he is still looking for it. I think at age thirty-eight, it. Meant I know some, that feeling, and cause I lost
0: I, mine at ten, and I was always looking everywhere I saw, but somebody with a bear. Right? Did it, was that my teddy? Is that,
1: right? Is it my teddy bear? Um, summers are hard for parents trying to keep their children busy and occupied, especially if they're both working parents. And and I I know that from experience, even when I wasn't working, just trying to keep five children occupied.
0: And I understand you've designed an app to help parents. Can you explain what it is? Yes. Um, one of the things that we learned from all the young people that we worked with that some of the kids that were the most successful were kids that parents put them in summer programs, whether it was at the Y, at the library. And I thought this is—I knew that because my next-door neighbor kids always went to summer programs, but I thought everybody did. I didn't realize that kids that live in in poverty or in under-resourced communities may not know. <laughs> so we created a tool called Blueprint for the Number Four mm-hmm. Summer and in 2015, and we distributed it to parents all over St. Louis. It's free to use, and it was free for camps to list. The first summer, we had 3,500 camps in there. Who knew St. Louis had 3,500? But wow. now we have over 8,000.
1: In um, St. Louis In alone? St. Louis. Wow.
0: Yeah. So so the Y might have 25 programs. SLU has many programs. They range, the Parks and Recreation have tons of programs. And many of them are very low cost or free. But also many of the ones that are even more expensive, like that Science Center or the Challenger Learning Center or SLU uh-huh. have scholarships available. We also match scholarships. So mm-hmm. now we are able to give money towards scholar to camps that also offer scholarships mm-hmm. so they can have twice as many kids coming that need some financial assistance. I'm not very techie. Explain to me how this app works. Yeah. So they download it on the phone. You can download it to your phone, but you can use it on a on the computer. On a tablet or on a phone, blueprintforsummer.com. There's a little form you fill out, and you can say, "I want an art camp. I live in six three one three six, and I want it to be five miles within five miles, and my child's ten years old, and and it's a girl. And it usually the camps take everybody, but and it poof, you hit search, and it brings you an order of the closest camp to your house. All the way down to the farthest away. and some things, like if you put in art, you might come up with two hundred or three hundred summer mm-hmm. camp programs. And you can decide which ones you can afford, which ones you want to call up about, mm-hmm. and you click through, and it'll give you more information. And then we you have to book it directly through the camp because a lot of them have different requirements. They mm-hmm. may have you, you know and they they are full or mm-hmm. whatever. but, Hundreds of thousands of people have used our tool to find camps in St. And Louis. And what about
1: those years. who need um, financial aid going to camp? Do you have...
0: Uh, yeah, so all the camps, we you can search by that. You can search by how much it costs and then if there's scholarships available. Uh, and many, 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 about 50% of the summer programs in St. Louis offer some kind of financial assistance.
1: You have started taking on a huge project to better our city, the Del Mar Divine. And I'd like you to explain what exactly is Del Mar Divine, and what makes it divine?
0: Well, um, another thing that happened through education, we were working on opening up our KIPP school over in 63112, which is Explain
1: what the KIPP school is again. KIPP
0: is a charter school, and it stands for the Knowledge is Power program. Uh, And we were opening up our second school, which was an elementary school in uh, the West End, which is uh, just on north of Del Mar, just east of University City. Is the West End, not the Central West End, mm-hmm. not to be get confused with the Central West End, it was a wonderful. It's a wonderful neighborhood. But at one time, it was a. It had five elementary schools. Soldan was the high school, and I Clark, think my you know, father-in-law went
1: to Soldan. Yeah, many probably years did. Yeah.
0: and it was the the school to go to in St. Louis. But over time, the neighborhoods had changed, and uh, it was struggling. But this was St. Luke's Hospital, and I was driving around the corner, coming from Kip back, getting on Del Mar to go home, and I saw they were nailing in the for sale sign. So I looked at it and I said, "What is this going to be? Are they going to tear it down and turn it into a pile of rubble? Will they build tenement apartments? Mm -hmm. What will they do?" And I kind of dawned on me because it was such a big campus—it's over five, almost five hundred thousand square feet—that it could be like a, like Cortex. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I, I go to Cortex all the time. And explain what
1: Cortex is. Cortex is an
0: innovation center built, you know, started about fifteen or sixteen years ago in St. Louis. That was one building, and now it's a whole campus full of incredible, innovative. buildings and services mostly for the tech and life right. science business industry we needed to to be able to create for our nonprofits nonprofits are the third largest sector in our economy about 11% of our economy in St. Louis most people think oh they're just on the take but all of these organizations that uh, that have people that work for them also pay these people. Mm-hmm. And, and those the people revenue buy stream homes there, right? And food and clothes and create mm-hmm. the revenue in our community. But we have too many. We have sixteen thousand nonprofits in St. Louis in the city and county. I had no idea. Um, and while we're not out to close them down or anything like that. We want to leverage the the ones that we do have and help them be more successful. So what if we could bring them to this? We could take this building that was a so an old hospital built it's right. first built in 1904 and kind of an eyesore for the last right. many years and turn it into a multi-use kind of a mall like facility but offices uh, a school possibly and apartments and so we're creating 150 apartments for teachers, nurses, social workers, public health workers, public safety. Those young people and very diverse populations that make very low salaries relative to what engineers and doctors and other people make, sure. but they, they contribute greatly to our society, have affordable housing between the WashU campus and the WashU medical campus, between the Del Mar Loop and the Central West. And <laughs> what a great location on the bus lines, a half a mile from the park. You know, near entertainment, near everything that you could possibly mm-hmm. want in St. Louis, and turn it into something really lively again.
1: So are you the founder of this project also? I am the
0: in chief inspirator. Okay. Um, I have partners in Washington University and also in Clayco Construction helping me, because I don't know anything about building a building mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. I, I can see it in my head. But I do know how to bring people together. And how so is to bring, this being like, funded
1: mainly um, personally, uh, uh, or is it being funded also through the city
0: It's being funded with um, public and private donations. We have the first phase, which is is the apartments and the office space, is about an $80 million project. And uh, some of that comes from tax credits and tax uh, government incentives that give you for Mm. redeveloping property um, and doing this. And then bank loans and private donations as well. So have you broken ground already? Well, there's no way to break ground because the building already exists. Right. Well, you started We have not started, started on the renovation yet, hopefully by the middle of the summer.
1: But yet you, you're expecting to be done in 2020? Yeah. Do you think that's Praise still feasible? The first open
0: in late 2020, yes.
1: The first phase? Yes. And I know that's kind of a food desert there. So do you see a store going in, a Whole yes. Foods or some kind of a little yeah. market? Or... Well, I
0: think that um, we'll have a lot of economic development because there'll be about – um, when it, when it's phase one and two are complete, there'll be about a 1,000 people living and working in the neighborhood that aren't there today. Mm-hmm. And that will warrant a lot more retail and commerce, a bakery, a pet shop, a, a, a dentist, a grocery store. Mm-hmm. There is a grocery store going in north of us, to save a Save-A-Lot, and there's one down in the loop, a global grocery store mm-hmm. that the stud- I know a lot of students use. And then in the Central West End, which is not very far away, there is a... Um, Whole Foods, and then there's Trader Joe's that's mm-hmm. over by Target. So nothing's very okay, so, far away okay, in St. So. Louis. But I do think that will be enough people that they'll, everybody will be looking mm-hmm. to open up a grocery store. The, the place will be finding the right place for the parking mm-hmm. and a store the size that can handle the neighborhood.
1: This is such a fabulous idea. Do you conceive of this being a further development,
0: something similar in St. Louis, somewhere else? Well, I think that there are already these kinds of developments. This is Cortex, which is huge. We have Danforth Plant Science Center, which is sort of a co-working and space for scientists that work in agriculture and food. There's 39 North out in West County. There's another one in, in St. Charles. So there's lots of these kind of co-working spaces, but they're trying to bring together like-minded organizations mm-hmm. so people can work together. Ours is a little bit different because we really do, we know that nonprofits need a lot of resources that can help them leverage their talent and that they're always living on a, on a tight budget. So if we can pool our resources together, we can bring more talent, uh, practicum students from Washington University and SLU and UMSL that will be able to come and work mm-hmm. and be productive. We have a lot of tenants already are in, are in education and healthcare and um, so they all are kind of cross-pollinating. Mm-hmm. You can just see it, you, know, like you see somebody in the elevator, say so let's meet at 10 o'clock for a cup of coffee in the coffee shop and people will start to, re- a lot has to do with place and mm-hmm. space, but mm-hmm. it's much easier when you're nearby mm-hmm. to get together more often. But we'll also have a lot of public spaces. You know there's lots of need for places to meet and have yes, events, absolutely. and this will be right there, you know, just east of the loop on Delmar. Mm-hmm. And the other part about, we're calling it the Delmar Mar Divine, um, instead of the D in divide, which is what we all talk about and is infamous, it's I-N. The and N, capital I-N. For investment and innovation, mm-hmm. and the E on the end of the word, which has always been there even in divide, is for energy and uh, engagement and employment and all the good things that come when the economy is working in the right direction for everyone.
1: Well, it's a very beautiful name, (laughs) Maxine. You you and Bob obviously have an unwavering commitment to St. Louis. How did you decide to focus your... Clark Fox Foundation at the local level instead of using your resources on the national level? Or do you use resources well, on the national we level? We in
0: some things nationally, but I would say that for the most part, because Build-A-Bear was my business and my husband had new space, closet interiors, mm-hmm. the, it was the local people that helped make us successful. And say, I don't know that if Build-A-Bear would have been as successful, it was located anywhere else. Being in the middle of the country was a real asset Because we could open up stores in many, many different cities Mm -hmm. because we could get there in a couple of hours. Our corporate jet was Southwest Airlines, and that made us able to grow really rapidly. (laughs) Which has a heart on it, by the way, doesn't it? Yes, (laughs) it does. We're very much connected and and in many, many ways. So we're giving back to the people that gave to us that helped make us successful. It's where we live. It's where we've chosen to stay our life. And why not make it better? It's such an amazing community.
1: You obviously love the city. And you've just said so many wonderful things about it. What do you think is the most special thing about our city?
0: Well, I think it's the neighborhoods. I think the history of St. Louis, the bad history of things that we're not so mm-hmm. proud of and the things that we are proud of, we should need to embrace together to make us a stronger you know, future because those are just part of who we are. I moved to St. Louis in 1976 and I lived in Lafayette Square and I just saw that the house that I bought for $80,000 is selling for 650 Wow. Now, they've redone it, and they've expanded it, and they've Amazing. done a lot of things. But that's what's possible, and that mm-hmm. that was falling down. The mm-hmm. neighborhood was falling down. So it's not to over-gentrify, to do things that make it impossible for poor people to live anywhere. We want to make it possible for all kinds of people to live together next to each other in any way possible. So, the, you know, obviously the Del Mar project is there's so many different incomes level that mm-hmm. live there already. That's the fun of life mm-hmm. is knowing people that come from so many backgrounds, and hopefully— maybe 10 or 15% will say, I want to buy a house there or I want to build a house or I want to live in a bigger apartment. And they will see the convenience and the, the community, this neighborhood particularly. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing place. And I don't meet, when I tell anybody about Del Mar, they say, oh, I was born in that hospital or I lived, in, I grew up on Cabany or I went to Soldan or all these stories. And we're going to capture those stories also. We also mm-hmm. want to capture the history. I know that St. Louis is the story, but we want to capture the the neighborhoods of St. Louis within our building to, through pictures and art um so that people don't ever forget that this is this is what brought us here mm-hmm. and this is what's going to keep us going in the future.
1: it's so beautiful to hear that from someone who's from the coast you're born in florida because i know my daughter allison worked in new york for many many years and she actually hid the fact that she was from st louis for a long time they couldn't believe that she was from the midwest because it are considered what the flyover state yeah. for so many reasons but you just accentuated the reasons why st louis is so important right. the location in the middle of the country um, someone very close to me told me once that you're wonderful to work for. And you know who that someone is? Yes. My son-in-law, Brian, who worked for you as CFO. And I know you've received many kudos for innovation in the workplace. I hear you set a very high bar for your workers, but you're also able to support them. So how can you be both the grizzly bear and the teddy bear at the same time?
0: Well, I fortunately wasn't; didn't have to be the grizzly bear because we <laughs> hired great people, but I had great people. Brian worked with us in our planning and research, and he helped us really think, Oh, he about. never said you were a grizzly bear, by the no, way. No, he but, just said, you know, he, "If you hire curious people and creative people, they will help you get to the dream you didn't even know you had because wow. they just keep adding to the canvas." And, you know, Brian came and we were investigating gift cards. Who can even imagine a life before gift cards? But he helped us really think about it because he had worked at Amazon and he had had other personal experiences. And, um, you know, he brought all that to the table. And it was always, you know, it's always sad when somebody goes to do something else, but we knew we wouldn't have him forever. But we <laughs> had so many wonderful people that stayed with us for such a long time. And everybody added something to the company. And that's how that's how you have to look at it. Everybody's opinion, including our customers, is very, very valuable to to building on the dream um you can't have every idea it's impossible mm-hmm. and if you think you can you're, then your business is going to be limited it is really up to the um people that you hire mm-hmm. and the people that they bring with them too so family members had ideas and nala your granddaughter, right. i would come and just sit down and pet her well you I would wanna, have an idea from that you know, weren't you one of the her. first people that
1: had people yeah, bringing had, their dogs to work you know, right had
0: people bring their dogs to work because i love dogs and i I didn't have one of my own, I didn't have time to take care of it so I could get to pet or walk their dog around the the parking lot. But it was that kind of, the people that love dogs also love stuffed animals. There's a real high correlation and not everybody can have a a dog because they can't afford it or they are allergic or something. And so there's that affinity. So that was a very logical thing for us to do. But it also just brought out a a different side of people Mm -hmm. um, that we needed in a business that's about hugs.
1: One other thing you, you just mentioned about the neighborhoods in St. Louis, and and is the fact that the, we have a city and county divided, does that help enhance our neighborhoods? And the reason, of course, I'm asking that is because since I began working at KPLR, which was 40 years ago, right after I got married, I had to handle ascertainments in the public affairs department. And one of the biggest problems, you know, as we'd go to businesses and ask what's the problem in St. Louis, it's because the city and county are not combined. What about the city-county merger? I would like to bring that up. Are well, you? Well, I do
0: think that we need to be working better together. I don't think there's any question. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, that there is a lot bigger opportunity for a bigger metropolitan vision that we should be thinking of ourselves as st louis not as the city of st louis or the county of st louis or ladue or clayton or st charles we are a thriving metropolitan when you add it all up we have a large population we have a lot of exciting businesses we have a great airport is centrally located we have um all kinds of wonderful amenities and we should be working together uh, not So one business that comes there might be perfect for Wellston, and another one might be purpose, perfect for South County, or a soccer stadium might be perfect in the city of St. Louis. We need to think of ourselves regionally, not just as these little municipalities. And I think that there's a way to get there, and I think that we just have to bring more people to the table to really think through it rather than just a few people, mm-hmm. um, and that we will get some better ideas and maybe the same ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the board of Beyond Housing, which is in the Normandy school district it's 24 communities that that work together as one Mm -hmm. um, because they realize they they're much stronger as one community feeding Mm -hmm. into the school district and it can work i know it can work if we're not attracting young people we're going to have a real problem because the population of uh, anyway is aging Mm -hmm. um how are we going to change how are we going to keep keep it growing in the right direction and so i believe we should we we can find a solution um, and I think some of it will involve government, you know, coming together, and others will just be about a better attitude mm-hmm. about St. Louis working together.
1: And what, isn't it true, though, that if we did combine, our city would be much more powerful because the population itself would be bigger?
0: Yes. And we would have whatever. I don't know that there's... I'm not the one that's so big about the savings. I think we need to reinvest in our community. Mm-hmm. Um. So, But we would reinvest in it maybe differently than we've mm-hmm. been investing because it seems that some of the money goes all to certain, you know, places in St. Louis and not to the city in mm-hmm. North County. I think there's lots of opportunity for expansion in those areas to build up parts of our community that maybe aren't getting the investment they get today. Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately we're getting close to the end of I could talk to you for three more hours but you are probably one of the busiest woman women I know. I know how full your calendar is because it was harder to get an interview with you than an audience with the Pope I think <laughs> oh, no. but uh, I, so I'd like to know what, what what is your day like from start to finish Tell us a normal day in the day of Maxine.
0: Clark. It depends on the day. I love that I have these choices because when I which, was, you know, involved in Build a Bear, that was my day almost all the time. I rarely left the building except if I was going on a business trip. But now I can, I, you know, I'm on the board of Beyond Housing. I'm on the board of Parents as Teachers. I'm on the board of PBS. I'm on the board of of uh, Washington University, and I get to learn so much. The, it, I give a lot, but I also get a lot in return, and for me, that's about continuous learning and that's how we stay young and we can stay contributing to our community if we're being exposed to what's going on in the world. So I today, what did I do this morning? Um, uh, I don't even remember but yesterday <laughs> I started a day at w- meeting at Washington University and then I went to another meeting on um, in Clayton and then oh, I had just had a meeting with a media company to talk about billboards and uh, mobile advertising before I came here, so it's, it's just, each day is different, but it's always full. So, you, because your day is so full,
1: I would like to ask you this: Do you if you ever have any downtime, what do you do? Do you like to read? Do
0: you go to movies? What? I love I love to read and I love to go to movies, but my husband does not like to go to movies. So I have to find my friends to go in, or we watch it on. <laughs> call uh, me. My I husband call, doesn't like him either. Yeah, go on. Go to television. I love that I'm associated with Washington University. Like tonight, I'm going to a class at WashU that's about um, a sort of a mini social work school. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much at those programs. And I think that that's another asset that we have in our communities, whether it's WashU, uh, Webster, SLU, Lindenwood. Each of these schools have amazing mm-hmm. programs that are really open to almost mm-hmm. everybody, but we don't know it. So, does Bob do a lot of this with you, or does he have to book time for a date
1: with you? No, no, no. One? We
0: do a lot of things <laughs> together, and we both divide and conquer.
1: You have been quoted as saying, I've done more in the last 20 years. You said this recently when you had a, a big birthday. I've done more in the last 20 years of my life than I've done in the previous several decades, I'll say. This is totally contrary to society's view of as we get older, our value decreases. How have you, Maxine, been able to turn this stigma around, and how can you influence other women of our generation to do that?
0: Well, I think our experience is really vital to continuing the great things that have been part of America and part of our democracy. Uh, at the same time, we have a lot to learn, and who wants to kind of be stagnant? I, I love that I get to learn new things every day, and I'm meeting with young people that are much more um, into technology and things than I have. They've taught me. And so it just adds greatly. I've been everywhere I want to go. I'm still willing to go to, new pl- to other places, but my contribution, I think, here is, is significant here in St. Louis, and that I can live a very full life. Um, I have another 30 or 40 years, I hope, um, to be able to make a contribution. But I think we all realize that whatever time we have, we have to make it as meaningful, whatever that is, family, friends, work, um, religion, whatever, there's it's it's whatever you want it to be, and there's no limits to what's mm-hmm. possible. Age is not a determinant. I think you know, 70s the new 50, 50s 50 the new 30. Uh, we're so much different than our parents mm-hmm. were at our age, and that gives us a lot of of ammunition for a better future.
1: Okay, I'll just have a few quick questions before we wrap up. Uh, as a woman who is so accomplished, is there anything that you don't like about yourself, or anything that you would like to change about yourself?
0: Well, I say I'm not over- overweight. I'm under tall, so I could grow a few <laughs> inches and you know lose a few pounds. But no, I actually feel incredibly satisfied with who I've become. Um, my you my should be my next book is going to be becoming my mother's daughter. I think my mother would be um, very happy that I've done so many more community-oriented <laughs> things and just been a capitalist. She yeah. she wanted me to do good things for the community, and, and which she you do. Capitalism was like not a positive.
1: Thing. And a quick answer to this, my happiest moment is.
0: When I get to spend time with my sweetheart.
1: Oh, I love that. That is adorable. Bob, are you listening? I hope yes. And I'm the saddest
0: when Oh, it's when you lose a good friend, which we recently did and unexpectedly, and you have to kind of justify it. Uh, it doesn't matter what their age is. It can happen to anybody, and, you know, you just um, makes you think, and it makes you, you know, hug more. Right.
1: Bear hugs are so important.
0: Uh, you can achieve anything when when you are curious about it and you want to ask questions and you don't know it all.
1: And finally, in a life that appears to be totally overboard to me I'm exhausted just listening to you talk even though I love listening to you talk what does going overboard mean to Maxine Clark?
0: I don't I haven't found it yet you know I don't <laughs> think I don't think it exists. I think every day you know you can stretch yourself to do one more thing that that adds value to your life and adds value to somebody else's.
1: Maxine, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I've truly loved learning about your rise in the business world, as well as your plans for making St. Louis a thriving community. For more information about Maxine Clark, or if you're interested in being a guest, a sponsor, or commenting on today's show, go to womanoverboard.com. And as always, you can email me with any questions or comments at nancy at womanoverboard.com. Thanks for listening.